0: From R.W. Estella, with a word in Edgewise. Good morning, R.W. Good morning, Allison. Today is the 26th of March, 2018, with 280 days remaining in this year. Last night, as darkness fell in the southern sky, the waxing gibbous moon was keeping company with three bright stars. Castor and Pollux, the constellation Gemini's two brightest stars, and sometimes called the Gemini twins, were north of the moon. While Procyon, also known as the Little Dog Star, because it's the brightest light in the constellation Canis Minor, the Lesser Dog, was south of the Moon on this date in 2003. Speaking from the Oval Office in a televised broadcast at 10:15 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, about 45 minutes after the first attacks of U.S. forces, was an excerpt from last week's award in Edgewise. 84 years ago today. Britain enacted a road traffic act, imposing a 30-mile-an-hour speed limit in built-up areas and requiring tests for new motorists. This got me wondering about what had been going on statute-wise with automobiles by 1934 on this side of the pond. On April 26, 2015, article in the Detroit News says that Detroit was the first city to use stop signs, lane markings, one-way streets, and traffic signals, that it was among the first cities to have a police squad dedicated to traffic control, and that it was second to New York City in creating a judicial court for traffic violations. What about the number of vehicles already motoring about the land of the free, urban and rural, a century ago? Statistics kept by the then-nascent Automobile Club of America, says the Detroit News, indicate that an estimated 200,000 motorized vehicles were operating in the United States in 1909. And, quote, by 1916, there were 2.25 million, close quote. That number got me thinking about the proportion of new vehicles to used vehicles, which, of course, prompted me to think about how many cars we proverbially call junkers might have been part of the picture. Like many folks, not only in Maine, but also elsewhere, I have a fond place in my heart for junkers, particularly because I have owned some wonderful examples. The $270 1964 Chevrolet half-ton pickup I bought in 1977. The $1,200 1971 Chevrolet half-ton pickup I bought in 1980 the $200 1986 Ford Escort diesel I bought in 1994, and the $1,000 2002 Ford Ranger I bought in 2016, just to name several. These have all served me well at a fraction of the cost of new vehicles, although from time to time something major might need repairing, and I'm compelled, like any other motor vehicle owner, to acknowledge that the privilege of driving an automobile does not come without its associated costs. Granted, my girlfriend, who believes in trading her car in every three years so that she's always driving an automobile that is under warranty and she will not have to ante up for automotive repairs in the meantime, rides in a level of comfort I only experience when she allows me to drive her car. But she pays dearly for that, and she doesn't have that feeling of being car payment-free, of knowing that the rattle or clank or otherwise disturbing noise from somewhere or another on one of my vehicles is actually an index of character of what an automobile will afford its owner if he or she only has a fair degree of faith that the voyage to point A might well be complemented with a voyage to point B or not which is what helps life remain an adventure and endears the junker to its owner tenfold. For more on Omain, happy spring.